Hello and welcome to episode 110 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Joining me on today's episode is the fifth and final guest in my series of Voice Behind the Artist specials, Paul Shipper. When I decided about six months ago that I wanted to delve into doing these artist specials and give these amazing artists all across the country the chance to talk, come on the podcast and share their stories, he was easily my first choice, top of my pile, and I've been a fan of his work for about 10 years now. I've got about five or six of his prints, and honestly, his Jaws work, the work he did for Marvel, his stuff he's done for Empire Magazine, and the Thing print are easily some of my favourite pieces out there, so it's an absolute honour to know that he's joining me on today's episode. But in true typical Mark and Me fashion, I like to touch base and talk about my last episode. So on episode 109, I was joined by the incredible actor Richard Brake. This episode blew up. Thanks so much, Richard, for sharing it across your social media channels. To see it on your Instagram and all the response and likes and comments was a dream come true. And it really did help with download. So a massive thank you to Richard. And also a massive thank you to everyone that took the time to listen to this interview. It's easily one of the best I've done. He was such a great guy from start to finish. And I'm a huge fan. So it was an absolute honour to have you on. And thanks again for all that. But let's get back into today's episode. As I said at the start, I'm joined by one of my favourite artists out there, Paul Shipper. This episode is brilliant. I've kept it to the final part of the artist specials for a reason. He is phenomenal from start to finish and I just can't wait to share this interview with you. So I think the best thing to do now is to get straight to it. Here's me and Paul Shipper talking all things art. Paul, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. A pleasure. Pleasure to be here. Thanks, Mark. What I want to do is, for the listeners out there, is take it back right to the beginning. Um, when you were growing up, I want to know at what point it was that you started seeing these iconic film posters. Was it in video, like VHS cassettes or at the cinema? When was it that you started to real take a note of this art? Well, it would have been around the mid-80s, I would imagine. Um, I was born in 76, so I think by the time I was about eight years old, I'd been to the cinema a few times. But saying, saying that, though, I mean, it could have been way before. It could have been probably a video shop. That might have been the first place. But the first place that doesn't really stick in my memory that, that, that I'm thinking now that I'm thinking about it. But I remember going to the movies and seeing a, like a triple bill or a double bill. I think it was a triple bill. It was Return of the Jedi, Superman 3, or no, 4, and Octopussy. Think. How random are those three to put together? Yeah, they were, I think. Well, they were. It was my friend's birthday, and his mum worked at a cinema, and it, so it would have been what, 1983. I definitely remember seeing the posters and them being impor- important at the time, and and uh, you know, you they, they they had an impact on me. But it wasn't until later on when I started to see them in video shops that was when I kind of. Because you, because I think with a video shop, you had you were given so much choice, there's so much options. So the artwork on the front made an impact on what you decided you were going to watch. Yeah. So that was um, possibly the place where that that may have had the the initial impact of the that you know the covers are important, the artwork is important. So yeah, it was probably probably from them, to be honest. And what I mean, the local video shop where I lived at the time, like, I remember. 1984 would have been, or 85, whenever the Karate Kid was out on video. I remember whenever I'd 
be around at my auntie's. Uh, she would always take us to the local. You could walk to the video shop from there. And if, if Karate Kid was available, I'd always rent that. I remember renting and renting and renting that movie. Um, and uh, being very uh, influenced by, by that film. Um, but yes, yeah, Star Wars, you know, and then Indiana Jones and you name it, you know, Spielberg and George Lucas years, they were the ones that seemed to impact me the most as well going, growing up. Um, and then the movie posters that went along with those, um, the artwork that went along with those um, films um, were the ones that just seemed to speak to me the most. And the ones that ended up on the, you know, on the bedroom wall um, as I got older. So, yeah, I think uh, one of the earliest posters I remember actually being given, which was a video, a video store um, that it was for Adventures in Babysitting, the movie. Right. And, and, I mean, at this point, I didn't realize it was a painting, to be honest. It was like, it looked like a photo. I just liked it. something about the image of these kids, like, climbing up the side of a building by evening. And also, I, I think I, well, I definitely had a bit of a crush on Elizabeth's shoe. So that was Didn't probably... everybody in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that was probably one of the earliest posters I remember. And the, the video shop people could tell I liked it and they saved it for me and gave it to me. So I, I, I had, that was one of the earliest posters I remember actually having uh, in my bedroom, I think. Uh, that was an illustrated poster anyway. But yeah. Um. I mean, I remember going to a Blockbuster video as a kid and um, I'd put my name down. You have to be one of the first people when you saw one of the posters in there. And it was like, yeah. I'm trying to think what I'd have seen back then, but it was stuff like Kindergarten Cop and these sort of like, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah. Um, and I remember going in and just trying to be the first person to put my name down. So I hope they'd keep it for me. We just literally talked about when you were growing up and you were going to video shops and seeing those video cases and stuff. When was it, um, was it during school that you found yourself, you know, at secondary school, absolutely falling in love with art and being an artist yourself and not just being a fan? Well, primary school, I was drawing pictures from movies and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, at sort of eight, I mean, if I say, if I say 1983, 1984, I think 1984 might have been a key, a key year. Yeah. Um, so probably age eight, eight, ten, I was probably when it started and then uh, started realizing artwork on posters probably a little while after that, sort of early teenage years and then realizing, oh, these are all done by the same person and it's a person doing it. Wow. What's that mean? Okay. Oh, it's somebody's job. What? What does that mean? Okay. Well, let's <laughs> look into it. Uh, one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another and it's like a you know, the hunt for information and, you know, before the internet, it was like, and where I lived and in, in Manchester, there wasn't a lot of uh, uh, information on, on this kind of subject matter, you know, everything was in Hollywood really. But it was like, get as many film magazines as you could, um, go to the film fairs if they were on, uh, you know, a couple of times a year, there was one in Manchester you'd go to and just start collecting things and finding out things. And then they would sell posters there and you could start hunting. It's like a, you know, being inspired by those things and drawing. I was always drawing and, and, um, you know, never knew it would really go anywhere. And uh, at that time, but, um, 
I think one, once I realized that somebody's, this was somebody's job and uh, it was a potential, you know, a light bulb moment where it was like, whoa, somebody actually does this for a living kind of thing. Once you're at that age where you start to understand that people work and do things uh, within their lifetime, um, you know, it became of interest. I mean, I was interested in other things, mostly music was another thing and and um but the opportunities just weren't there it, it, it didn't come up that much for music it was something that interested me but it was you know if you wanted to draw a picture it's much easier to get a pa- piece of paper and a pencil than it was to get a musical instrument yeah um, and then uh you know as 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 i got older i'd save up and buy the occasional instrument like keyboards and things um but Art was always there. It was always something I did. It's always something I was reasonably good at. And friends and family would always tell me that they liked something or, you know, whether they were just being polite, whichever way it was, it encouraged me <laughs> to keep going. Yep. Um, and, you know, it just didn't stop really. And which is great. I mean, I'm, I feel very fortunate to have stuck with this and not given up. I think, uh, it's, I think if you if you can put your mind to something and stick with it, you um, eventually get opportunities to 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 you know try and prove yourself to people in a way, um, and that, I think that's really important to to recognise. So, with your family, when you went to university and decided to study art, were they yeah. supportive? Because some parents were like, I used to love music, and my parents were kind of like, look, you're never going to be a rock star, you're never going to make it as a famous person, we'd rather you do something that you can fall back on, or, you know, that sort of thing. Was it, were they kind of supporting you and seeing that your talent was there and that they could see you could hopefully have a career in it? Yeah, my, uh, I remember... Uh, one point is kind of, I think I was probably around the time I was at art college. Uh, my dad was said to me, he, he was trying to give me a, a, a lesson in, you know, don't, you know, follow your dreams. But, you know, he basically, I think he said something along the lines of, you know, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg are not going to pick up the phone and call you and ask, him to, ask you to work on a, a movie poster. It's a dream. You know, you need to have something to fall back on. You need something that's, uh, you know, you need to be, don't put all your eggs in one basket kind of thing. Yeah. That was kind of the advice. Um, It was good advice, but I think if you feel strongly about something, no matter anyone saying anything, it's not going to stop you from giving giving it as much as you've got. Like, I, I would have just taken it as long as I could and to a point where it just wasn't happening. But fortunately, it kept, kept going and going. So, Do you think it I might guess. have made you a bit more determined, kind of, with your dad saying that? Because that's something that made me kind of go, do you know what, my dad's my hero, but I want to I prove to him that I can do this. You know, if I've put my neck on the line and I believe in it, like you said a few times on this interview, you believe in something, mm-hmm. is that enough for you? Is enough confidence in yourself to think, I'm going to fucking do this. This is, this is my thing. You know, I don't mm. want to go and do a nine to five in an office or go and work in a shop. I want to fucking do what I enjoy and be passionate about it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, 
you, you don't know what opportunities are going to be around the corner. So I think, you know, and there was, I mean, there was many, many, many years of no work, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I, I had to work, do other jobs, you know, I had to do other things while still doing this in my spare time. Yeah. And it was one of those things that, you know, it's always, uh, I was always hopeful and always, um, positive about the idea of it becoming a reality because I knew there was a, always a hope that it could be. Um, and I never lost sight of that. Um, but you still have to pay the bills and you, you know, you have to do things. So I, I tried to keep everything as in a creative place as possible. So it was, you know, working graphic design stuff, photography, um, doing logos. Work, I worked. I actually worked for my dad's company for ten years, while uh, and I had had a, a a room there, and I put all my art, a lot of my art equipment in there because my flat didn't have a lot of room, and yeah. I would I would work all day for them, and then in the evenings I'd work for till the early hours of the morning, drawing and painting, you know, um, on personal projects or film projects that I'd imagined or whatever was at the cinema at the time, I would just experiment and play and just, you know, I'd have jobs to do for friends or family. You know, they wouldn't, might want a picture of their dogs or <laughs> their, their family, you know, portraits and things. Um, you know, I did Christmas cards every year for friends and family, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, you just kind of keep your hand in and keep practicing and, and uh, never let go. That that was the key. Never to. I didn't want to ever stop doing it. Even if even if I'd never got any work doing it, I'd still be doing it in my spare time. I think that was the. And people probably thought I was mental. Just like, why are you why are you working, you know, through the night on things that, you know, getting paid for. It was just kind of. A lot of it was just, you know, I, I'm trying to think of things. I mean, I just I got drawers full of stuff from, you know growing up and just doing things and yeah. just trying to hone a, hone the craft and trying to get to a point where it was really, really working and really singing, you know, so that people could look at it and, and think, wow, how did that happen? You know, and that, that was kind of the thing because I used to look at people's artwork and be, wow, how did they do that? You know, that was the, one of the things it was like a magic trick. How did they, how did they achieve that? How did they make me feel that way? How did it like give me goosebumps or how did it make me excited to see something or how did it, why did it do that? You know, asking questions was one of the things like, and then trying to take that information and do something about it from coming from me and see if I could recreate something similar or recreate a feeling or recreate um, so that someone could get excited about something just by looking at an image, you know, and, and it did happen and it did fail. There was times where it works. Sometimes it didn't work and you, you learn from your mistakes and you just keep, keep pushing forward. Um, so at what point was it that it became a reality that it could become your full-time job? What, what, can you remember some of the first big companies that got in contact or that were interested in your work that made you think, okay, this is getting quite serious now. This isn't me just working late at night and hoping it's becoming actual reality in front of me. Yeah, it, it was very sporadic. It was very much like a, something would come up and then there'd be nothing for months. You know, it was one of those things. Yeah. The, the sort of work that I worked on or that I always have done hasn't always been 
in in vogue, so to speak. It's not always been uh, a wanted thing. I, I remember uh, it was kind of a niche kind of thing in a way, I suppose. Um, I mean, who knows? Like this time next year, it might be zero work. Yeah. <laughs> but but back when, like, I mean, just around the late nineties, um, I graduated from university university in uh, 1997 from Manchester Metropolitan uh, University and I did an illustration course there and during the course even um, I was working even when I was at college I was doing the occasional job like diagrams and things for uh, JCB um, not for JCB directly but like local firms that use JCB equipment and things like that and um, you know, from diagrams to when I was at university during the summertime, I'd be working on doing murals in people's homes, you know, like with scaffolding and like, like Michelangelo painting on someone's ceiling with yeah. cherubs, you know, floating around and things like that. Um, but as I, you know, and that, and that was paid work. It was, it was professional paid work. Um, but what I think what it, one of the things was, um, doing stuff, I did a, a, a bunch of illustrations over a course of a few years with GQ magazine, um, and it was a kind of film-related artwork for um, and a, a writer called A.A. A. Gill, who was doing movie reviews at the time. He, he was known for restaurant stuff, but I think he's, he's kind of like trying out movie reviews at the time. So I did a lot of illustrations for them. Um, and, and around that time I'd heard from, uh, Penguin books. I did a, a bunch of books for them, um, book covers, um, and, and things just kind of slowly, but surely started to happen. Um, but it wasn't like you couldn't, uh, just really drop everything and, and, um, focus on illustration completely, even at that point. So it was just a case of just it was still experimenting at the time. It's still trying to get work. It's still trying to be uh, available for people. I mean, it's it's not easy. No, <laughs> to put it bluntly, and 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 it takes a long time. To I think being passionate and consistent is one of the key things. Um, and then as time goes by, people recognize what you can do, and they they have a bit more confidence in wanting to hire you and. You know, I do advertising in um, Creative Review, which is a a, a design magazine. Um, I mean, it cost a fortune. I mean, I didn't earn much money, so it was like over a month. I can't remember what the price was. It, it felt like a lot of money anyway at the time, like hundreds yeah. and hundreds of pounds for this tiny, tiny little advert. And um, and if you weren't in it every month, there was kind of no point in being in it at all, really. <laughs> so... Um, but, you know, you, you sort of try everything and, and, and you learn from those mistakes. And then eventually, you know, if you've got something to offer that somebody wants, they'll, you'll get work. Or, you know, they'll be like willing to work with you on something. You know, it's kind of, it's not really rocket science. It's just like perseverance and, and hope and uh, yeah. belief and, and, and having something that you believe in. I mean, there's, there's one thing about um, being able to create imagery, but you, you've got to really kind of 
believe in yourself as much as you can and um and and be able to you know be the be the best you can be and and just try and shine as much as you can so that people see what you can do but uh you know i don't know what the the key to it all is just i don't know obviously you've worked with lots of different clients people like netflix uh, disney arrow music bands you know stuff like that mm-hmm. um i remember when arrow released uh, a couple of years ago i think it was now robocop and i saw that you had done the artwork and when i picked up the blu-ray in hmv i thought to myself that looks like paul's work without <laughs> knowing it right um and i think that's a real big compliment because that is a nice you know, one of one of the words you used today was you need to be consistent and what i like about artists are when they're that consistent you know it's their work and when i see a piece of work I can usually now, because I buy a lot of stuff from all these, you know, Mondo and people like this, I can recognize the names and start to, like you said, you start thinking, oh, that looks like so-and-so's and you find out it is and you see the theme. When did you think you kind of found your, your kind of mark on the world? Because you have got a style. Um, you kind of have that classic 80s and 90s feel about your posters, but it's still like a modern old school if that makes sense you know mm-hmm. it's painted now um but it's always got the classicness about it. it's when you do stuff for the thing which is in the 80s for john carpenter you do the jaws from 70s even if you do modern stuff now like the new muse album cover you know i look at it and know it's all painted in the last few years but these are films from the 80s 90s and an album that's just come out so i'm trying to work out when you kind of found you if that makes sense when you were happy enough with the style that you were doing that made it oh this is Paul or did you do it without even realizing uh I I think I'm still trying to find it really I mean my work as you can imagine is heavily inspired by the people that came before me um in particular Drew Struzan and Richard Amsel and elements of Bob Peake and you know it's one of those things that I, it's an aesthetic that I've kind of, you know, when I work on a project, I kind of know how I want it to feel, like when yeah. I'm working on something. So I, I, and it makes me feel good when I reach that and I, and I, and the end result uh, explains that in a way, just by the way it looks. Um, but as far as having my style, I don't, I can't necessarily say that it's just my style. I feel like it's a culmination of influences that have, and I think that's, you know, and and that's true of many, many artists, including Drew Struzan and, 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 and his peers at the time, you know, they, they probably were inspired by people that came before them and they used that to kind of as a springboard to find themselves and I feel like I'm just kind of finding myself to be honest you know with through my work the style wise I don't think I've quite um I mean it's nice that you said that because that that means a great deal to me that it it stands out in that way that the the artwork sort of speaks to you and and you can see it and and know that it is a throwback and yet completely of today 
Yeah. And that, that, that's been one of the, um, one of the missions uh, or, you know, things I've set myself is to try and be of the past and yet of the now and be able to speak to people in the, in the aesthetic that I grew up with of today, but still be relevant. And that, that's, so you kind of, by you saying that, that means whatever I've done, I've done what I kind of set out to achieve in that way. So thank you for that. Appreciate it. Well, it's the thing like if, say the new Fast and Furious film that comes out, you're going to have a big picture of The Rock, Jason Statham, two, I don't know, Lamborghinis or whatever, I'm not a car guy, and a big explosion. That's the poster, and it looks like it's being put together on Photoshop, and it it does the thing, but all people care about is the big font, Fast and Furious. You Mm. mentioned Drew as an influence, and when I see one of his posters that he does on Twitter, you know, I'm always zooming in and looking at, you know, the Goonies and the stuff like that. And I do it with you, you know, when you did Jaws, it wasn't just a complete replica of just the classic shark coming up and from the water. You captured Quint looking like Quint, but not just Quint smiling for the camera. From the film, I remember of Quint being a bit of an arsehole, but you love him, but he's he's a yeah. rogue. He's, he's, had a, yeah. he's had a bad Lovable time in life. And yeah. you see the nice shiny Brody, who's the cop and, you know, the, the, the chief, and you think to yourself, you captured him during the film but it doesn't give it away and you've you've got that element of drew art where i want to zoom in and look at it all in the detail and capture it all and the thought you put into it and it must be hard because i'm talking to you and it's easy to talk to someone else about you instead of me saying look this is paul if i'm describing paul's artwork to someone it's a lot easier than describing it to you but i want to look at it more i want to get i want to be you know um completely drawn in and looking at it for hours and seeing all the different stuff you've done and how you put it together and why you put that person at that point of the post and not just all oh, that'll do and the yeah. most recent stuff i've seen of yours for when they do you know imax versions of posters i saw for the rise of skywalker and you know the the, the special atmos and all this or whatever blu-ray it is i see the different yeah. versions you've done i can look at those posters for 30 minutes no exaggeration look at all the stuff you've done and i think to myself the thought you must put in to make it work and all the layers is just i couldn't even imagine where to start you know well that's that's exactly what i used to do with drew's posters when i have them i if if i got something from a movie fair or as soon as i'd get home i'd roll them out i'd get my magnifying glass out and i'd just start studying them and and just being uh, blown away by the amount of effort you know that's gone into creating this image and how, how you know kind of dissecting it and like going like, how how is this even i was talking to a, an illustrator friend of mine um james goodridge who is a phenomenal phenomenal artist and we were talking about drew because we were both inspired by drew too yeah and and we were i was, I was like you know there is a difference there's something about drew's work in particular, uh, from from the time you know growing up, and and it, and and he he described it really well. And I, I'm really sorry, James, for stealing this, really. But he said, you know, it's like it's like a miracle. It's like the the fact that that exists in in this world is actually miraculous. It's a yeah. mir- it's a miracle. And when you're looking at it, you're like, how? And you just don't know how. You're like, no. it came from a person. A person did this, and I get so excited about stuff like that. 
I could go to a modern art museum uh, or gallery or, uh, you know, even, even some of the master's work and not get excited about it. But something about certain pieces of work that have been created over the last, let's say, 50 years, yeah. some, of, some pieces of art, actually probably more in the last 120 years probably, but there are some pieces of art that are just, they just defy... Um, just defy everything to you. Yeah. I mean, it's probably different for everybody. Everybody's different. But for me and for James, and we were both agreed, something's just miraculous. It's like a miracle has happened before your eyes, you know. Um, and, and I think we all, every, anyone who's been inspired by that uh, has, is trying to achieve that. Like, yeah. I feel like I, I'm trying to achieve that. And you, all you can do is try to do your best. Like, and, and that's what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to do my best with, you know, there's a, there's a lot of um, creativity that goes into the, a lot of thought, like you said, you know, that, that Jaws piece, which I'll be honest, is not an official piece, but uh, I wish it was. Yeah. But uh, it was for an art show. And uh, I just remember, it was like... Um, it was George. You could do. You could pretty much do whatever you wanted. And I, I just remember thinking, well, look, I want to do something like a movie poster, but I, it, the Jaws poster, which is one of the most iconic images ever you could ever imagine. Yeah. So, how do you? So I, I did. I spent a long time thinking about that. Like, and you know, there are things, there are elements in that poster. I think I could have done better, but on the whole, it had the essence of a movie you know um which a movie which to me the one of the most beautiful thing, beautiful things about that movie is the people that are in it it's the people yeah. that really make that movie and uh, so that's why i wanted to show the actors um in particular and um yeah it's just it was uh it was just it's like a it's like a journey in itself in a way to to, re, to create something from that's not existed before to look at as much reference material as you can and know you know you have to you have to kind of immerse yourself in in uh, in the film if you can like a lot of m new movies if you get to work on them you don't always get that opportunity to immerse yourself in the story or yeah. the visual the, the actual film itself so when the nice thing about revisiting an older movie is you well for one thing you may have already grown up with the film and be intimately aware of it and, and what it stands for and who's in it and what their relationships are and, but once you have immersed yourself in into something then you can you know the idea is to try and create a single image which can you can you know essentially relive um the movie through in a way um as well as being able to sell that to someone to be like i'm interested you know like i really want to see that or whatever it might be but to actually be able to after the film's been out to put it on your wall or frame it or even keep it in a drawer and just look at it now and again and, and remind yourself of of how, how you felt when, when you watched it. Uh, I kind of, I, I, we may have talked about this when I, when we first met, but the, 
the one thing about a movie poster, it kind of reminds me of listening to a soundtrack of a movie over and over. So when uh, in when I was growing up and you couldn't always get access to the films that you wanted to rewatch or you'd buy the soundtrack and you'd listen to the soundtrack and you'd kind of remember the film through the soundtrack, through yeah. the music. And so for me as well, growing up, having the poster on display, you know, you'd have your favorite movie poster on your wall and it would, you'd look at it even just a glance or like you say, you know, maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes, even half an hour staring at it and just remembering that film, that story, those people, those characters, um, you know, and so, yeah, it's another way of, of rekindling something, if that makes sense. Of course. I mean, do you ever put yourself under too much pressure where you think, how am I going to deliver the goods? So one of the posters I bought from you was... All the time. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> when I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was Shout Factory. You did the thing, the collector's edition. Yes. Um, American Blu-ray release. And yeah. When you think of Drew's iconic, Drew's one of your idols, when you think of his The Thing poster, it's mm. absolutely in my top 10 of all time films, yeah. posters, and everything. To then go and try and put your spin on it when it's been done so well. Mm. Is oh, it? yeah. No, I mean, initially they asked me to do it, and, yeah. uh, and I said, I kind of said no, because yeah. like, how. Do you expect me to follow up with something? I mean, I'm like, I don't know if I would just walk away and say, I can't, I, what's the point? Like, well, yeah, I, ne- I mean, I nearly did. And yeah. they, they, they were really kind and, and they were like, no, 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 we really want you to do something. And then after I, you know, I, after I, I mean, one thing I did for that was like, I, it's a bit like the Jaws poster. I looked to the Jaws poster and it's like, well, what's, what can I do? And the other, I mean, something I can do is people. I love yeah. drawing people. So the characters, it's like, well, the original Jaws poster didn't have people on it that, you know, really, apart from a lady swimming. Yeah. Um, And the same with the Thing one, you know, you had none of those characters' faces. So I just initially thought, well, look, I mean, Kurt Russell with a flamethrower. I mean, you kind of get more iconic than that. And then... uh, And then the the ensemble cast around him, really. That was kind of the there was nowhere else I could go. I couldn't yep. think. And and one of the stipulations I remember was because I really wanted to have the creature in it. And they yep. were like, no, you can't do that. I'm like, what? Oh, because I was kind of looking forward to doing something kind of different in that way. But one of the stipulations was no, 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 you can't do it's that. Just the husky dog. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the closest I could get is to yeah. put the dog in there. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, that poster that Drew did is incredible. And actually, a few years later, I spoke to, I went for, I had a meeting with the guys at Shout Factory. And I went for lunch there. And, and I think it was then that they told me, we actually reached out to Drew first. And he turned it down. Wow. Because they, they were asking him to do something new for um, for the thing. Like a, re, a reinterpretation. That would have been great to see. Yeah, but I guess he just you know he decided that he didn't want to do it, and that that's totally fine. He's he's kind of semi-retired now, and can pick and choose whatever he likes. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, for me, uh, it was a, it was an opportunity, and and I and I, and you know I uh, it was also nerve-wracking because the that poster is so iconic, and so yeah, I nearly did not do it, and I was kind of like 
part of me was like, you shouldn't be doing it, <laughs> you know? So has but, there been yeah. anywhere you've actually just had to kind of flat out say, no, I, I'm not doing it. Like, I, I, I just can't. I'm, I'm, I'm not willing to try even. Or have you always thought, do you know what? I, I like the challenge. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, projects do come up where sometimes the subject matter might be not quite to my taste or or something like that and i've tried to get out of something and then sometimes they've convinced me to just do it um you know some i mean i i i actually grew up not watching many horror movies and that kind of thing i was kind of always a bit of a scaredy cat yeah uh i think there was a time when i was a kid and me and my sister like went through some movies that we had in put them in the video cassette playing it was one called alien <laughs> and, uh, and we were very young and we got to the point where the where the chest buster came out and it's like oh no <laughs> that's not good it was just too much and so i think from that point on i i sort of avoided the that, that genre the horror genre uh especially i think because we were like sneaky like doing it without our mom and dad around and and it was like, uh, we shouldn't be doing this. This is bad. Um, but then as I've got older, I've, I've learned to appreciate the movies uh, of that genre a lot, lot more. So what's been some of your absolute favorite pieces to work on? I mean, looking at your Spielberg special for Empire, I think looking at the fact you're an 80s kid, yeah. it must have been like, this is a dream come true. You get to you know paint and work on these images of probably the films that shaped you to the person you are now. Well, that's one of the amazing things, actually, the fact that a lot of these projects I grew up with and I'm now able to do something and put myself back in that place yeah. you know, that, of, of, of where you grew up from. But, and the Empire is one of those things. Like I, I've been an avid collector of Empire magazine since it first came out in 1989. And, uh, and then, you know, I, I, actually, I actually met them at Star Wars Celebration in London and they had a booth there and I introduced myself and we got talking and that's where, you know, they, and not, I don't know how long it was after that initial meeting, but I got to work on Empire, on an Empire project and, uh, and then got to work on a, on a subscriber cover and then another subscriber cover. And I mean, and it's like a dream come true. Yeah. Honestly, it is. It's like, you know, Empire is one of those, projects working on 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 their cover art and um which it which has been a dream come true and, and the subject matters like you know that, that spielberg issue in particular was really special and um i mean there was a tribute for carrie fisher that i did after her passing which i was you know honored to have been asked to do yeah um, being a huge fan of Carrie Fisher's work and, and especially her portrayal as Princess Leia, which we all, a lot of us grew up with and, and she was just a wonderful human being and very sad that she, she passed, but honored that, that I got to do something in her, in her memory and uh, things like that. You know, it's like it, 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 pinch yourself moments for, for, for a, an illustrator who grew up in, in that time period and now is able to rekindle those loves yeah. that well, when you're growing up, you know, you t you're 
kind of people would might maybe have made fun of you, you know, like for being into something. Because I, I mean, I was into Star Wars for years and years, and, I, and it never went away. You know, the same for Indiana Jones, never went away. But people would be like, "Aren't you getting a bit old for that now?" It's like, <laughs> no, no. I, I, I never felt before. like that. I never felt like that. And so I, I, you end up kind of being quite proud of that. And then when you got, get to work professionally and relive these things that you loved so much growing up, it's a great, great privilege, great honor. It really is. And I, and I don't take it for granted, not one second of it. So I'm really, I'm really, really chuffed to bits to be part of this, you know, revisiting of a, of a, of a past um, that, you know, it's continuing forward. I mean, we're 30 years on, 40 years on and, of that time period, I guess. And, and, and it's still exciting as exciting as it was and things are being re-released and, you know, it's great. It's a great time to be, be a fan. I obviously saw on your Instagram when you did the star Wars celebration and stuff, but one of the things like, you know, I was just like kind of punching the air for you, like fucking get in is when you got the last Jedi poster for the, was it the Dolby special edition poster? And it's, yeah. The image yeah. I always yeah. see in my head now, whenever I think of The Last Jedi, I'm like, that's that's <laughs> a poster, you know, that's right. That must have been for you a moment where you kind of am I dreaming? Is this real? Like if you're a big Star Wars fan, you grew up like anybody in the seventies and eighties loving Star Wars, to be able to draw like we just mentioned, Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker and these new characters, that must have been one of the most surreal but proudest moments of your i mean i'm answering it for you but it, is it is that the, is it as good as it should be does it feel like oh yeah yeah this is of course of course i mean I, I remember getting the uh the email uh asking me if i was available and <laughs> uh you know it was like whoa you know this is kind of this is what i've been hoping for something like this you know um and to, to, I've had a lovely relationship with the folks over at Disney in the last few years, and uh, they're great people. And, you know, I can only hope that they'll keep giving me some work to do um, because it, it really is. It, it's it, it's kind of mind-blowing. It, it really is to be able to work on these things and, um, and, 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 and kind of be a part of, of film history now kind of someone said it to me and I kind of it didn't sink in at the time but I kind of it's sinking in a bit now but having um worked on something for The Last Jedi and then something for Rise of Skywalker and you know they they said to like you're 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 what did they say they said it in such a nice way I can't (laughs) but it was it was it was very much like you know you you kind of cemented in film history now in a way you know that that you've had a hand in, in, in a piece of artwork that is going to be, uh, alongside those films. Yeah. Forever. And, and, and it's like when I think of myself lying down in my bedroom, uh, with at my parents' house, when it is like a 13, 14 year old with a magnifying glass, just staring at these posters, wondering how they were even accomplished to now be actually, doing those posters and them getting printed and shipped all around the world at cinemas and stuff. I mean, that's like, that's everything I ever want. I used to dream about that, like r- literal dreams, you know, 
go to bed, you dream, you dream about working on these things. And I, I actually have now. And, I, and, and I've said it before, I kind of feel like I've, I've achieved kind of my ultimate goal, but I don't know what is around the corner still. But, you know, if, if, I, if God forbid something happened to me and I died tomorrow, I'd be at peace. Yeah. Because the, whatever, what I did was ex- I kind of did exactly what I planned to do. And, and it's a great feeling to have achieved something that you set your mind to do 30 years prior, you know. And what you've got to think about is you were there with your magnifying glass at 13, looking at these posters, working out how they were done, and just, like you said, thinking they're masterpieces and it's a miracle and all this. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not just kissing your ass. I've sat there and, like I said, spent half an hour looking at your thing poster and thinking, how the fuck has he done that? How's he done the flame in this way? How's that, how's that the centre image? But I'm still absolutely no wiser about what happens in the film from the poster. It's not spoiled for me, but I want to know what that guy's doing. And I want to know what yeah. McCree's doing. And I've, I'm not the only person in the world, surely, that's done that with one of your posters. So that must be surreal to think... And I'm not 13, I'm 38. <laughs> That's <laughs> bad. But there must be people like me in the world that are sitting on your Instagram, zooming in or buying your yeah. from the store or getting the Empire magazine and sitting there like you did with Drew's work. And yeah. you, you said you might, if you, if you died tomorrow, you kind of, I, I've had the best run I ever could. Mm. But you're still doing it. You're not retiring anytime soon. So. No, I don't. I don't whatever, I don't want to retire no. or anything. So, so anything what is it? This, you know, you've got your Star Wars. You've got your Jaws. You've got the Thing. You've got Netflix. You've got Arrow. You've even got an album cover. You know, like yeah. it's not like you've just stuck to movies. You've had Muse, one of the biggest bands in the world, put your image on their front of their cover, and they are one of the most talented bunch of musicians I've ever seen yeah. in my life. True. True. Yeah. No, that's good working with them. I mean. I got to do all the internal artwork too. There's a bunch of illustrations yeah. inside. Um, and it, that was a big project. And uh, yeah, I mean, I feel very fortunate to have been able to work on, on, on all the things I've been able to work on. And, and you know, I, I am still working now. I mean, there's a, I'm actually painting again. There's painting on my drawing board that I'm in the middle of at the moment. I can't zoom uh, enough. I've looked at your drawing. No, I've seen some. Yeah. Like, it's right where the, where the lights are there. That's, yeah. my draw, that's my drawing board. I can't there. see. I can see uh, Thanos' hands. I, I can it's see. up cleverly so you, it obliterates any image. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm back. You know, I work, I've worked digitally for a number of years as well as working traditionally, and I'm back into working a bit more traditionally again. And, and it's really nice to be re- re- revisiting uh, all the pencils and paints and everything that, uh, you know, over the years. And that's so, one of the yeah. questions I've had all day in my head. I've been thinking, like, <laughs> where is it at now? Because everything's digital. Everything, you know, is all... It, I'm not saying that it's forgotten, but, you know, you don't... People buy vinyl, but most people are streaming music. You know, if you want to listen to an album now, it's, have you gone on Spotify? I'm like, well, actually, I wouldn't mind getting the CD booklet and reading through it and having that smell of a new CD again and photos and all this. There you go. There's a, there's a record. I did the artwork for Mystery Men, and they've made a record out of it. How good is that? Yeah. And but yeah, I, 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 I mean, it's all digital, a lot of stuff now. And I was, I was thinking, does he... 
does he prefer doing digital? Is it easier? Is it less messy? Or do you still like getting your hands dirty and getting the pencils and pens and paints out and doing it as you learned? Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, it's definitely not as messy. Um, and you don't have to keep buying multiple lots of pencils <laughs> and uh, paints when you run out. But um, yeah, the, the, the digital stuff, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm an advocate of digital. It doesn't, I mean, to me, it's just another way of creating something. It doesn't mean it's worse or better. It's just another, another tool. You know, yeah. and uh, I mean, when I was like the, working for GQ and Penguin back in the late 90s, early 2000s, they, uh, you know, they were like, can you, they were, I, I didn't were necessarily do digital work then. And they asked, can you work digitally? Like they needed it digitally. Right. Now I could have painted it and scanned it, which I did with a lot of my work. I used to have an A4 scanner and I would, like flatbed scan each part <laughs> of, a, of a painting and then piece it all together. Um, but w when Penguin Books asked if I, like, they wanted it painted digitally, but with the realistic feel of my original work. So I had yeah. to do that. And that was, uh, I just went out and bought a copy of a program that I'd seen called Coral Painter. Right. And, uh, and, a, and a little whack on tablet and uh just like did a did, did a crash course on myself based on the the uh, traditional method that yeah. i would do so i just took the traditional method and did did exactly the same thing in a computer in in layers kind of looked at layers as you know like uh underdrawing airbrush and then overdrawing yeah. you know kind of as simple as that and uh and it worked and they were happy and they got paid, and it was like, "Well, this is this is pretty good." <laughs> I could get used so to that. I just carried on. So I've been, I've been kind of working tradition uh, traditionally, as, as well as uh, digitally. But the digital work, kind of over the last twenty years, has been the most work I've done. Like the, yeah. you know, it's just been the way it is, and that's just the way of the world. And and but you know, I think having that traditional background is a big help. Like for sure, like um, half my life was working traditionally, and then the rest has been mostly digital. Yeah, but having, having that, you know, that skill uh, is definitely beneficial. I like the you fact know, that anyone who wants to, yeah, I think anyone that wants to be an illustrator, I think if you can learn to draw first, it's a good start. Like, don't just think having a computer will be able to do it. If, especially if you need to do likenesses or, you know, or, you know, the specific things that you want to achieve or methods or, you know, aesthetics that if you've seen it created um, traditionally, then recreating it digitally is a lot easier to do. So having that, having that basis is a good start. And something that's going through my mind is when I was doing Skip to the End for five years, I'd review films. So I'd go to the cinema and not really enjoy film anymore because I was always having that critical mindset of what's the score like? What's the cinematography like? How does the editing look? And I need to score this. So I was kind of never just switching off and enjoying it for just a film. And I found that because I was doing it every other week, I was coming home and at weekends, I put a film on, on Sky or Netflix and I was doing the same. I just couldn't ever switch off. 
And yeah. I was thinking to myself today, I wonder if you can just sit there now at home with a cup of tea and just sketch or just draw for fun, or is it now everything is for a purpose? That's really good. Um, that's true. That is true. I don't, um, I actually, yeah, for some reason, because I've had a lot of projects over the last few years in particular, uh, there hasn't been a lot of time to do anything. Um, and you sort of get out of, I think I, I kind of got out of the um, um, routine of doing that quite some years ago, actually. Yeah. And it got to the point where it's like, you know, unless it was for something, I, I, I didn't do it. Or, you know, there was things I would do for fun, but like, you know, I, I, I've do, I doodle. Like, yeah. I'd, I'd say doodling is still there. You know, yeah. and that's whether it's on paper or any, an iPad with a with the Apple Pencil, and I enjoy experimenting. You know, like I'm, I think I'm more of an experimenter in a way. Like I'll, I'll, I'll I like technology, so I, if there's a new drawing app, I'll download it and see what it's like, and do a few sketches and and uh, play around, and and that's that side of things are always interesting to me but uh it's rare now that i'll sit down and do something just for the heck of it from yeah. from start to finish unless it's a like i'm i think i'm so used to people t like asking for things that i don't uh unless i somehow ask myself to do something uh it's not going to happen so you know you, a job comes in you have a deadline and you you have people that you are working with and uh you want to make sure they're happy and you want to be happy with it yourself and and you have these goals and then once it's done it's done and then it's usually a long wait until it comes out and while you're m many times i'll be working on i'll be juggling a few projects so you know while while i'm waiting to hear back from one client i'll work on this next thing uh and then when i when I when I've finished that rough and sent that one off, then I'll have probably heard back from the other people, and then yeah. I'll start. With, you know, it's kind of like a juggling act, um, which is a nice place to be. I'll say, you know, yeah. it really is. Um, but yeah, one. I mean, there are there are some things that I, I want to achieve, which I've not probably yet achieved. I guess that are more personal projects. You know, so. Come on, share them. What what's some of those goals or things that are on the tick list that haven't been ticked off yet? What what do you want to? You said you'd be okay if you died tomorrow, but you're not going to die tomorrow. Yeah, there are, yeah, that's. I mean, I think my when I was a kid, there were there was a specific thing which was to have worked on a, a Spielberg movie and a Star Wars film or something along those lines, you know. Yeah. And so, I've ticked that box, and I'm really really over the moon to have done that. But yeah, there there are things. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want to die. I, I never want to get that point wrong. But you know, I've I've met a lovely person in my life, and she's she's amazing. And we have a we just moved into a new house last October, which I'm so grateful for that we were able to do before this whole <laughs> lockdown happened. Yeah, uh, and. Um, you know, I'm very grateful for very many things. I have two wonderful kids, and and uh, life life is good. And uh, but yeah, there are things uh, that 
I would like to do. And, uh, you know, maybe, I mean, I don't, I don't even want to project it out there. I just want it to, there are things, I don't really want to shout about those things or, uh, or be, or put it into the ether to try and make it become a reality. Yeah. Because I'm not quite ready yet. And for they're, the, for they're, the they're very personal to you. Yeah, I mean, it's not like deep, deeply personal no. in a way, but there are things that, yeah, there are things I want to experience and do uh, with my illustration, with my artwork um, in the future, but the time isn't ready yet. It's, it's not ready yet for that. One day, one day. And something I'm curious about is I've put out podcasts and I've listened back and I'm my own editor, so I edit my own podcasts. I edit all the skip to the end and sometimes I've I'm my own worst critic really I'll listen back and that's not good enough and that's not right but eventually you have to just cut the cord and say well it's, it's going out it needs to be released mm. it's Friday it has to come out I've listened back a couple of years later and thought fucking hell that's terrible like that that is nowhere near as what what I'm doing now mm. and I've still got absolutely loads to learn and I'm nowhere near where I want to be but have you released art or done projects that you are now not regretting but you look at and just not it's not that you're not even proud i'm sure you wouldn't put it out but you you just wish you'd done it completely differently or it just didn't turn out the way that you envisaged there have been times where you know when you're working for a client who has a particular vision and you're trying to tap into that vision sometimes and uh so you might work on an idea that you just think is the best idea it can be and but sometimes it deviates from that greatly and uh so sometimes the the some options that i've offered to people have been i, I wish they'd have gone down that route you know but it, it didn't always um didn't always make it it was it ended up being they were happy with it which is fine absolutely 100 percent. that's the whole point but personally i would i there have been times when i've created something and i thought that would have been a better way to do it the yeah. initial the initial concept that was submitted in my opinion it's just my opinion like i, I you know it doesn't mean it's right but personally there are there are a few times when that's happened yeah um but ultimately, you know, you're creating a piece of art for a specific purpose and you have people to please. And those people to please are the people that are paying you to do a job. And uh, it's either, you know, and sometimes your clients need a little bit of persuasion or a bit of insight. And, that I, and that's happened too, where I've explained something a little bit to them and, and then it's, they've come around to an idea sometimes. That happens. But because uh, you must have to be quite kind of strict on yourself, because there's a point where you know it's got to be finished. And deadlines are your best friend, though, because <laughs> yeah. you can you can overwork something to the point where it doesn't even resemble what you meant it to be. Because you've just, I mean, I, I, this is something I say often: is when you're working on a project, you know, you need to step away from it and then you know, take a break and then yeah. come back to it with fresh eyes. And then you start to see it from, uh, 
from the you know the for, it's almost like seeing it for the first time if you can if you can if you can yeah. somehow do that that's great because then you are you know you're empathizing with the first people that are going to see it and you can hopefully put yourself in their shoes and experience it uh and and then you can make changes as you go that's kind of one of the things that i have uh used in my you know uh <laughs> box of tricks if you want to call it that but um yeah just to be able to step away and come back with fresh eyes and then you see things differently you see oh my god oh, how did i do I, you know that's wrong that yeah. needs to be that needs to be changed that doesn't work you know, and very often you can work so closely on something and you work for hours and hours and hours and you get lost in it and you just, you, you sit back and you look at it and you realize you just wasted four hours because you just got so wrapped up in something that was, didn't even help, but you just go, you just go down a rabbit hole. And I'm, uh, like, yeah, uh, that's I'm approaching near, by the time this goes out, near a hundred episodes now of the solo interview podcast. And I've never, I've never revealed this, but um, I'll leave this in on the edit as well. But what I have now done to be so strict on myself is if I think to myself, I've got a week now to edit Paul's interview, chop it down. I'll put it out on Saturday by Thursday morning, Friday morning, I haven't even looked at it because I need to be in the right zone. Yeah. What I'll do is I'll put a tweet out or an Instagram comment or a Facebook comment saying, brand new episode out Saturday, which is the biggest kick up my own ass I can ever do. So then I've absolutely thrown myself in front of a yeah. <laughs> huge bus yeah. knowing that I can't then pull out so that I have to do that. So that's the only way now that I can be that strict because otherwise I'll just dip in and out and I'll do an hour and yeah. then I'll go and watch something and I'll come back to it and not be as interested as I was, or I'll be really loving it and do all of it in one go. But that's the only way I can work now. And I, I set myself up to fail and luckily I never do now, but it, it works for that's me. It. You set yourself a deadline. See? Yeah. It's just deadlines deadline. important. <laughs> They'll tell you, like if someone said, oh, we don't need it for six months. Well, <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> started till the week before you need it, probably. <laughs> a question I want to finish on that I ask everybody, and you've answered it throughout this interview, is what advice do you give to anyone that's listening today that's seen on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or anything that you're on the show? So someone, oh, wow, I love his art. I want to know, you know how he got into it. I want to know what inspires him. But what advice do you give for the, I suppose, the 13-year-old the version of you, the guy that wants to be the next Drew, the one that next to be the next you, you know, what advice do you give to that guy who's sitting there thinking, I love the artwork for, I don't know, his new favourite TV show. His, he's, he's into something on Netflix and he wants to be the person that makes that poster he sees at the cinema. What advice do you give to that guy, Mao, or that girl that wants to become the next big thing through art well there's a you know everyone i think it's great to start off it's, it's great to have a direction in life no matter what it is you do whether you want to do like what i do or whether you want to be a movie director or a composer or whatever it is whether it's in the entertainment industry or anything else i think it's a great idea to try and establish what really 
makes you feel good about you know whatever it is it's something that that it transcends everything else whatever that thing is for me it was illustrated movie posters there was something about it can't fully explain it but it touched me in a way that i knew it was important and it and it nothing else made me feel that way and so i think when you have an epiphany like that in a way you have to listen to it and when you do listen to it you have to commit to it and if you want to be successful at something you need to go in you know do your best you can do be the best person you can be you know spend time honing a craft whatever it is if it's if it if it, if it is that just immerse yourself in it never give up um you know despite the odds because you'll never forgive yourself there i mean i think there are many people who have these aspirations to do something that excites them and interests interests them and they hit a roadblock and then gave up and they didn't follow it through um because it was too hard and it is hard it's not easy but if it is something that you you know you feel it inside you in in your your gut or your you know in your your soul or wherever it is there's something you feel it and you know it's right and then you just you got to stick with it and uh and and do your very best to make it become a reality because i think that is one of the keys to a happy uh, life on on this earth is to throw yourself into something that you love and no matter what it is i think that's that's one of the keys so i hope that maybe is good advice I've asked, I've asked that question to directors, people like Neil Blomkamp. Um, I've asked it to actors. I've asked it to musicians. I've asked it to producers. That answer today is my favourite. Oh, I'm, I'm being serious. I, when I was listening then, I was like, fucking hell, like, that's life, isn't it? If you can do that and you do it well and you capture it and you get that, too many people are ready just to give up. Yeah. Or they wanted yeah, that, to, and then they realize how much work's involved and then they get put off by the fourth or fifth hurdle when there's 10,000 hurdles. Yeah, it is. It's, and, it, and we're all, in, we're, you know, I truly believe we're all, you know, we all have equal opportunity to do what it is you want to do. It's just how committed you are and how, you know, there are a lot of obstacles through life. And, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, I, I mean, I could list a lot, but you don't have to, I don't, I'm not going to, but there are, everyone's going through their own issues and dilemmas in the world and living to try and reach an ultimate dream is, is not an easy thing to do. It's not. Yeah. And so, yeah. I'm I'm glad you enjoyed that little thing because it came from the heart. Absolutely, it did, and I, I was watching you talk, and I was thinking to myself, "That's the most sincere answer I think I've ever been given." And it's nice just to step back and not be the interviewer for a minute and just listen and think. I think a lot of listeners are going to listen to that and go, "Whew, yeah, that's that's it." Well, that's good. I think it's important to know, and I think 
you don't know it at the time, but you just, you know, you just do what you can. I mean, I, the, you, you reach forks in the road sometimes and you, you will, you will deviate. There will be times where you might deviate, but then something will hopefully get you back on that track. You know, like working in a job that you don't like, but you can still do your passion in your free time. Yeah. Until such time when you can, you know, change tracks and put more effort into that thing that you love doing the most. You know, there, you still have to, you still have commitments and things you have to do and you have to achieve, but just try your best to stay on that path. And, 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 and I hope and pray everyone gets to do what it is that makes them happy. I mean, we're only here for a short time. And if you get that opportunity, then go for it. I don't want to say much more now. I think that's the perfect ending. <laughs> Fucking hell, I'm feeling all emotional. I'm going to go ring my mum now and everyone I know and tell them I love them and that I hope I've done them oh, proud. That's nice. I, I really appreciate your time, dude. It's been, uh, honestly, I, I, I get asked to do a lot of interviews now because people are promoting films. But I didn't know what I want to do with artists. I thought, how am I going to bring this into the mix of bands and producers and directors and I thought I'm gonna do it and I'm really fucking glad I did I, I absolutely loved today honestly oh good uh, I really mean well, it. you know if I didn't enjoy it you'd know by my face I'd be, like, I'd be sitting there thinking the whole way through how the fuck am I gonna edit this how am I gonna release this um I can't wait and I know a lot of people that are big fans of yours and I think they're gonna absolutely love it so oh that's really nice I, can't I mean you enough well thank you that's really kind I mean this it's a it's I'm lucky to be doing this stuff and it's it's something that I've I mean championed is might not be the right word but it's something that I've always um, you know illustrated movie posters is something that's been really important to me and when you know the mid nineties to the early two thousands arrived and I'm like well I'm ready to do this but the industry definitely is not yeah that's kind of what happened <laughs> and so i just kind of just kept doing it and doing it anyway um until somebody sees it or somebody's like oh check that out and then a job comes you know things like that it's things like happen for, build it, happen for a reason as well like i work fucking hard with mark and me and skip the end like people don't realize like skip the end used to take me about 12 hours to edit an episode down to two hours because it's just coughing yeah. burping or sniffing and just i was really really anal with my editing and you had to go and watch the film you had to do a rewatch. you have to do your topic it's a lot of yeah. work oh yeah for me for every 50 guests i ask you know you only get two or three it's getting easier now but you know um i'll never give up you know and last week i, I work in recruitment with all things you know it's not the job i love i do it because i get the weekends off i get to have the evenings free um, and then it gives me a chance to do the things I love. And they, they put me at risk a couple of weeks ago because of the big pandemic. And, you know, they're, they're saying now I've got 45 days to find out if I've got a job. And all I think to myself oh, is God. if they take it away from me, do you know what? It's not, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I've got the best girlfriend. I've got the best house and family. And I'll be all right, you know. I'll, I will do what I need to do. And if it means that then... Mark and me becomes full time and I do everything I can and do it five days a week and get it and yeah. get, 
endorsements or whatever I need to do, it will be all right, you know? Everything will be okay. The way, the time and energy I'd waste on stressing on something yeah. I have no control over, what's the point? 100% right. I mean, we're all guilty of, of doing that. We're all guilty of being stressed out through life and everything else, but take a breath. Think, you know, it could be worse. Yeah. You know, you've got, you, you know what you love. You've got lovely people in your life. Exactly. You're, you're, there are many things to be thankful for. And, uh, you know, the, the world's a crazy place right now. So yeah. find solace in anything that you can, honestly. And if this is something that does it for you, then you're meant to be doing this. You're very good. I mean, I've been interviewed by a few people and you're very good. So there it is. There's my interview with me and the absolutely amazing Paul Shipper. As I said at the start of today's episode, easily one of my favourite artists out there. I've been a huge fan of his for many years, so to know he's come on the podcast is an absolute huge honour for me. And to hit it off like that as such a great guest, he's one of those guests that I felt we could have talked to for hours and hours. So let's hope he comes back on the show in the near future to do more and more. Paul's work is absolutely sublime. I love all of his work. Please go and check out his work on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. Let him know you've listened to the podcast. And hey, go and spend some money. It's Christmas coming up and there's some amazing prints out there. And they're not expensive and they're worth every single penny. It's addictive. You'll end up buying three or four and then running out of space in the house to put them up. But it's a good problem to have. Thank you again, Paul, for coming on the show. It's an absolute honour to have you on. And this concludes my Voice Behind the Artist specials. But I've got some good news. The response to this has been overwhelming. I never expected these to do so well. It was a whole new range of guests for me. And I was testing the water to see if people liked it or not. The truth is, it blew up. Every time I had an artist on, the response was absolutely insane online. So I've agreed to do a whole second part of this. So there'll be five new specials with five brand new artists coming your way very soon. And I've got some really exciting guests that have just confirmed, so I can't wait to share these with you. In the meantime, please go on markandme.com. It costs nothing to share the episode. Jump on my Twitter, my Facebook, my Instagram and share this episode. It makes a huge difference and gets loads and loads of more people involved in the podcast. It grows the audience and like I said, it's the click of a button that makes such a huge difference. All the links to all my social media are on markandme.com and so is a link to my Patreon page. On there this week, I'm going to be offering some incredible prizes from Paul. He's been so generous. There's some amazing prints and some really cool Star Wars stuff. So hop on in there, sign up for as little as a pound a month. You're going to get about seven or eight episodes a month. There's loads of exclusive gifts, loads of prize draws, and all the money that you invest goes right back into the podcast, which allows me to go out there, do more and more interviews, which means more and more episodes for you. I'll be back in a few days' time. It's getting busier and busier here at Mark and Me with a brand new episode. It really is full on, and it's not going to slow down anytime soon. So until then, stay safe, and I'll speak to you all very soon. Too far 
for you now to say that I've got to throw my castle away over dreams. I am big out of perfect come true. Though you never knew it was of you, I've been dreaming. Back some other day And though you don't believe that they do They do come true For did my dreams Come true when I looked at you And maybe too if you would believe You too might be overjoyed Yo! Yeah. 